Hello, we are the Edgy Futurists. I'm Dan Fitzpatrick. I'm Ben Whitaker. And I'm Stephen Hope. The podcast by educators for educators, the Edgy Futurist Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Edgy Futurist Podcast. We are live as always, as is the custom now. Uh, so if you are listening live, uh, you're very welcome. You can leave your comments in the YouTube chat or on the Periscope chat if you're on Twitter. And we're also streaming to Facebook now as well, so you can leave your comments underneath the video on Facebook. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, so not live, uh, then you can always leave your comments in the review section. Yeah, we have well over 150 podcast episodes now. Uh, you can find us at edgyfuturist.com, and please subscribe to with your podcast app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel and see some of our most recent broadcasts from Abdul Chohan and Summer Howarth, amongst others. Uh, don't forget, sign up for our Edgy Futurist Awards ceremony, where you can also hear great TEDx-style speakers like Rob Hoban, Louise Jones, Drew Povey, David Price, and Summer Howarth. Uh, you can also nominate... Uh, sorry, the nominations are now open, and the voting is open at uh, awards.edgyfuturist.com forward slash vote. Yeah, so as part of that, we obviously offered that as a free online event. But if you want to support us, you can uh, purchase some merch from our merch store, which is now up online. You can get hats, caps, get hoodies, all sorts of cool things. Uh, go, go over onto the website for that. Uh, and also, we've got another event on the 24th of June in partnership with Sea Learning and Warwickshire College Group, uh, the new, next, or never normal FE or HE event. So, yeah, sign up for that. It's another free event normal.edgyfuturist.com for that. Yeah, as you can see, uh, we have got another bearded spectacle-wearing gentleman joining us today on the podcast. It's Mr. Andrew Strachan. Andrew was our first ever guest on the podcast, on episode number one. Uh, a lot of things have happened since then, uh, which we're going to talk about on this episode. Yeah, since then, uh, Andrew's role has changed, and we'll be chatting to him about the work he's doing in the northeast of England. Yeah, following Dan up there somewhere. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at Mr. Stracken underscore IT. The podcast by educators for educators, the Edu Futurist Podcast. Andrew, good to have you on. Super. I'm delighted to be here. It, uh, it tops off a day where I've pretty much been on video conferences all day. Yeah. <laughs> you can always squeeze another one in. Exactly. Uh, it's good to have you, man. Um, so you're in the northeast of England, uh, the mm -hmm. best place in the world, where really? all the best people are from. Uh, Gaza. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you a Sunderland fan? Me? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. My uh, my football roots lie in the West Midlands. I'm a Derby County fan. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. I've <laughs> got Dan who's a Sunderland fan. Oh, I've got Ben <laughs> who's <got Ben>, <laughs> a Manchester United fan and, and Strachan. I very nearly, very nearly. And you, yeah, what are you? What are you? You're a United fan. You're a red. It's you that's the red. Who's that? You. <laughs> <laughs> I think is rugby's more your sport, Andrew, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, I think uh, I kind of probably fell in, fell in love with football first, and then uh, when I hit secondary school and decided that uh, my uh, stature maybe was, was no longer for the football pitch, uh, I uh, kind of fell into rugby, and and yeah, was very lucky to play. A lot at school, played a bit at uni, moved out, played a bit in Australia, and uh, then played uh, played for Bladen for the last 10 years, coached a bit for their first team, and uh, now I've kind of gone right back to the start with my little boy, Matthew, and uh, and coached the minis. Is, is that league? No. No, it's that a sport. Does that exist as a sport? Kick and clap? What's no. going on here? Union. Rock the balls, fly out, forwards and back. Dominic Cummins, like Ben does, conservative voters. I'm not having this. What's going on here? <laughs> definitely not one of those. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm probably about forty minutes from Barnet Castle, but I'm definitely not one of those. Did you see him? The funny yeah. thing is, Dominic Cummins isn't even as conservative. Right. So, do, you know, do you know what's also very funny about? You said, "Did you see him?" No, he didn't see you either because he was testing his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this going tonight? What's going on? <laughs> but you, you should. This is what happens when you have me on. You, you remember this. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned Bladen. Uh, you were last time we spoke all the way back, episode one. You were te uh, teaching and leading uh, the digital change at St Thomas More Secondary School in Bladen. This, mm -hmm. uh, proud to uh, be an alumni of that school. It's my, my secondary school, uh, but you're no longer there now. Could you just tell us a bit about what you, your new role is and what you're up to? 
Yeah, so I uh, had had ten fabulous years at, at Thomas More, and then uh, was ready for the, I guess, the change and, and a step up in the senior leadership. Uh, and an opportunity presented itself to have a crack at a job with um, Emmanuel Schools Foundation, um, which is a, a trust of six uh, six secondary schools and then kind of two primaries that, that all through schools um, spread from uh, Blythe right down to Doncaster. Um, opportunity to care, came to join them as a as an assistant vice principal, um, and uh, kind of went through a pretty, pretty tough process across a couple of days. Was lucky to be appointed, and then uh, I've been deployed at uh, one of the newest schools in the trust, Grace College, um, in in Gateshead for the last twelve months. Um, working there, kind of looking at data systems, uh, the MIS, and digital strategy in the single school, uh, and then since uh, Easter this year. I've been tasked with looking at uh, digital strategy across the the trust as a whole, and that encompasses um, everything that we're talking about at the moment in terms of online learning, blended learning, moving schools into the cloud, supporting teacher workload with a move to the cloud. Um, and I've also been asked to lead on um, our trust-wide deployment of a new MIS. Nice. So it, it, you must be busy? Yeah, I think uh, whilst... Nobody would want to fly on the coattails of a global pandemic. It has certainly uh, pushed to the forefront the the area of expertise that I guess I, I've brought into the trust. Um, I've kind of currently spending my time two and a half days a week looking after the the kind of the senior team responsibility stuff at, at Grace College, and then uh, and then two and a half days a week um, working with, with schools across the trust to support them in their in their journey. Um, and I think. I was saying to you guys before we went live, it's uh, it's very much a broad church in terms of what we're using and how we're using it. Um, and I think that's probably where we are at the moment. It it was It's the right thing to go digital, go into the cloud, look at blended learning, given given the circumstances we find ourselves in. But it's probably not the right time to, to drive huge amounts of change in terms of um, what we're using in the cloud, how we not so much how we're using it, but to kind of train stuff up in new technology. It, it's probably a case of going, right, what have we got? What are we using? Okay, you're a school that are currently using um, G Suite. Let's carry on using that. That's the right thing for you because it's what's embedded. Whereas we have other schools using 365 and Teams. It's the right thing for them. It's embedded to a degree. Let's use that. And then we had a school that came on board with Teams uh, on the Thursday before we went into lockdown. Um, so it's been a, a, a relatively steep curve for the guys there. Yeah, I imagine. And uh, you, just before we get into that conversation around that kind of stuff, um, I'm, I'm always interested when, you, when you're talking about uh, MIS and systems and mm -hmm. processes and data and tracking and all that kind of stuff, probably because I'm a nerd. Um, in fact, I think I think we, we probably all are, like deep down. Um we get some. We get sometimes. I sometimes get called part of the Google gang at college. Uh, and, and do you want to be in my gang? Probably not, because uh, I'm a nerd. But anyway, before I, before I get, but that, the stuff around like MIS and data systems and processes, like you've probably seen some really great things, um, and probably seen some not so great things. Not necessarily just where you are now, mm -hmm. but like when it comes to systems and processes and and that kind of stuff. What uh, what 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 are you, what are you passionate about because i know i know it it, it it floats your boat doesn't it that stuff yeah yeah a little bit i think it's um the thing about data is yes behind everything there's a story and there's a story behind someone's opinion there is a story behind a story that someone else has told you uh, and there's always there's a story behind data however you can be um you can be far less opinionated if you are basing your story on factual data and evidence that's in front of you. Um, and I think if you look at global organizations outside of education, they base a lot of their real key decision making on really, really top quality, um, well-analyzed, trustworthy data. And I think as schools, a lot of our lives at times does evolve around what is the data telling us? What are the trends and patterns? What can we read into them? What analysis can we do of them? Um, and I think it's absolutely crucial when you're in a school to have a management information system that allows you to put really good data in and allows your staff to be trained on how to put really good data in for then um, leaders at all levels 
to then be able to extract really, really good top quality data and trust it to help them inform their decision making process. And the, the situation I found myself in um, <clears throat> in the school I'm currently deployed in is that the, the MIS wasn't doing that for us. Um, and it, it wasn't it wasn't working how we wanted to make it work. It wasn't making our staff's life easier. Um, and it certainly wasn't making my data manager's life easier. Um, and so I've been really passionate since coming on board about about leading a change of of the MIS there. And it just so happened that prior to me joining the trust, there was a wider conversation already taking place about looking to kind of standardize the MIS and MIS use um, across the trust as a whole. Um, and it's been really been a really productive, proactive and quite exciting conversation to be part of. If you can, obviously don't get into like a lot of detail, uh, but. I think that I think this will interest a lot of listeners because uh, uh, the the whole idea of uh, data driven instruction is is a very it's a very trendy area at the mm -hmm. moment in education and 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 for for really good reasons as well. But could you just give us a little bit of an insight into some of the tweaks that that you've made and how how they've mm -hmm. how they've amplified the the effectiveness of of the data that you're getting? So I think um, we have looked at reducing the amount of data entry points. Um, in the school I'm in, there was a, a considerable number, and um, I think it, it maybe wasn't supporting staff to give them time to make change. Um, and I think we had a lot of conversation about, well, which way do we go? Do we go, and and how much do we take away? What what do we keep? Where are we at? Because I think the school I've been deployed in, um, you know, people from the northeast will will be aware of it. It's a school that requires rapid improvement. Um, and yeah, you know, we're we're absolutely adamant and confident that we'll make that rapid improvement in it. But there there are certain things that you need to do in schools where rapid improvement is required around data and data collection that maybe you would not do if you were somewhere else. And I think it's finding that balance between what is too much data that isn't going to help you make change, um, and what is maybe not enough data that you're then not getting frequently enough. I think it's probably fair to say we maybe went and trimmed it down too much initially um, because we felt that was the right thing to do at the time. And then we've kind of evolved that process through. And it, it's not so much about kind of when we're putting the data in, it's more about what happens to it when we get it out the other side. Um, and I think at the moment we've had to survive a little bit for the, the period we're in with the analysis we were able to do. Um, the I guess the utopia in, in the new world is to um, allow us to stream the data into the cloud into live data dashboards and i think that that's probably the way we want to go um certainly that then you know staff at different levels can access it it's, it's yeah. amazing how many people love a dash sorry steve i've done it again no it's all right no, i was just going to jump in and just say that uh at the school i'm a a, a, a chair of governors at that actually we have a live data dashboard um using um arbor um and and, and it seems really beneficial that actually mm -hmm rather than waiting for reports to come through and waiting for the next meeting. Actually, I, I can go in, I can log in and I can see the live data and anything else that I need to pull out and, and, and start to, and I think that's just so important mm -hmm. that why should you have to wait for that data? And also, why, how accurate is that data? So I know that we talked to Aftab Hussein and he was talking about data lakes and that element of actually when you're starting to look at artificial intelligence or even moving on beyond there, can you trust the data that's actually housed so mm -hmm. if you went on to one system, I know FE is different to, to college uh, to, to schools, but you might potentially look and then think, well, actually, I'm looking here and it says 98% attendance, and I'm looking here and it says 97. Mm -hmm. Why am I why am I finding the two different places and it's pulling it all together mm -hmm. and having a lake that is consistent, is accurate, so people are all going to the same place for that same information. Yeah. We, we use Power BI for, for similar. I don't know if you guys are using Power BI. We're at same level of it's amazing how many people love a live dashboard, but then <laughs> we still know that people print it out, don't they? <laughs> they put it into report and like to print it out, don't they? Yeah, so we've um, we've been running a little bit of an experiment um, with Power BI this year, um, probably since Christmas. We'd kind of established we were shifting MISs. The MIS that we're shifting to runs a lot of its dashboards um via power bi um so it, it seemed to make sense for us to start to think about well what what might that look like and start to experiment with it and i think the thing about it is it becomes one more powerful because you can build some really top quality dashboards in, in bi 
Two, it becomes far more collaborative because we can share them. And three, it supports people's workload because at the moment in my school, you can only get at the MIS if you're in the building. So I've, I've come from an environment where I was used to getting to that point sort of three or four days before a data, a data entry and uh, going, well, actually, do you know what? I've done, me, I've done me assessment. I know what the data is. I know when I need to put it in. I've done my work. I'm going to go home, walk my dog, feed the kids, put them to bed and then get my laptop out of the dining room table. And, and that, that worked for me in that environment. Now, some people might want to stay in school. Some people might want to go home and do it at home. And I think we need to be developing a world. And it's not just about data entry. It's about the whole conversation we're having at the minute. We need to be able to develop a world where we're supporting teachers to do the absolute best job that, that they are capable of doing and that we're supporting them to do and that we need them to do, but giving them the tools and technology to do that where suits them. You know, I've worked with a worked with a colleague in the past who um, <clears throat> whose whose children were kind of top quality athletes and had a lot of kind of early morning training sessions and what have you, and and shifting into the cloud enabled them to, to kind of take the laptop and and do that work while the lads were at the training session and then they'd, they'd arrive at school and be set up and and ready to go for the day. And and, and what impact? Obviously, you can tell me to move on to a different sub. In terms of if it's on only in when you're in the building. Are you having to go into the building to pull that data off then at the minute or have they shifted it so that there's a... So at the moment, the impact it's probably having is we have a very, very small handful of staff and I literally mean a handful, probably not even that half a handful of staff who can who can access the MIS via a, a kind of a login at home, um, uh, sort of VPN type stuff. And what it's meaning is for any kind of analysis, reporting, et cetera, that we're, we're needing to do at the moment, we're relying solely on that, that those kind of three four members of staff and that makes it that makes it very challenging when we're, we're trying to support people at home and and support workload and um kind of trying to you know deal with deal with all those things that people are having to deal with at the minute that you might not ordinarily have to deal with in your, in your day-to-day life you know i'm i've been in the position probably like many many others around the country um for the last what nine weeks where we've got uh, we've got one-year-old twins we've got a six-year-old got a nine-year-old and, uh, and and at times it can be a very very busy house. Um, you know, my, my wife's a senior leader in a different school, and and we we all have our jobs to do. But at the same time, we're all in this environment where we're trying to trying to parent and and trying to homeschool and and keep kids engaged and all that sort of stuff. So I think having a having a system that lives in the cloud where multiple people can access it and and multiple people can can interact with it and and do their jobs and support others has to be the way forward no matter which part of technology you're talking about i think you stunned us all into silence then because i, I think i think you're right because i've got um I've, I've talked quite a few times now about two young girls as well um and trying to balance that and and you've got you've got that plus twins in uh, one uh, uh, um it's, it's it's crazy isn't it because you, you think as well this whole idea around working from home uh, and also probably the, the, the postmodern world that we live in now, we, we need to be flexible and realize mm. why, why do I need to be in a, maybe some, some levels, primaries and some secondaries, whatever. you need to be in a building from nine till whatever time, but do we all, do we all need to be in all the time? Do we, is that the only way that proves that we're working? Um, I know that I've spoken with some colleagues uh, in, in different colleges and schools, who there's a there's a there's a mantra mentality that if you're not in the building you're not working and if you are at home you're obviously just watching everything that's on netflix and and uh kids aren't you're just setting some kids some tasks and then yeah just messing about and it's absolutely opposite isn't it? it's not the case at all <laughs> yeah i think you, you you need to as a as a senior member of staff in a school it, it it's brought a very much different dynamic to that that thought process than maybe a, as a head of department um, I think as a, a senior member of staff, the, the staff that I directly work with, I, I, I'm very comfortable with it's about the quality of, of work that's being done and, and the work that needs to be done being done really, really well. And if, if kind of the, the people who, who are my, I guess, direct reports, if they work better by coming in at whatever, whatever time in the morning people get to work, um, and then kind of doing doing the half hour, 45 minutes at the end of the day and then going home, picking their kids up, walking the dog, 
doing whatever it may be and then they they wish to settle back down and do a bit of work at the dining room table or in their home office or wherever works for them then as long as the quality of work is being it is what you would expect and is being done and we're running the ship that we want to we want to run i think we need to be be open to a world where you're not you don't have to be in a school building from seven o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night and then go home and then do another three hours at home. We don't need to be in that world. If we get the, if we get the online systems and processes right, and we get the access to technology for our staff, right. You you don't need to live in that world. I think uh, as teachers, if we, ignore the situation that we currently find ourselves in and, and think of what what normality was nine weeks ago or whatever it was you've got to be in the building to teach kids realistically you know you, yes there is a lot you can do online and yes there's a lot of blended learning you can do but historically we know that the very best teaching occurs when you are interacting and building relationships and and seeing students on a regular basis and you have that collegiality and that you know opportunity to have a commute and and be in a building and see staff and all of those things that we're probably all thinking is that ever going to return what's it going to return what does it look like um but outside of the the teaching your lessons and you know i'm not saying people go home for period three and then come back for period four at all but outside of the 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 other stuff that you need to do marking planning analysis writing curriculum all of that development stuff if you get your systems and processes right and your technology right, you, you should be able to be able to do that wherever you've got an internet connection. Yeah, and I think it would be great to get into kind of what that does look like for students and for learning as well, because before we went live, you, we, were, we had a little brief conversation about uh, kind of the lessons that I guess we're all learning at the moment for mm-hmm. where we go from here and what how we're going to take on uh, that blended learning model or, or elements of it to to help enhance learning after this is all over, whenever that may be. Could you maybe give us a bit of insight into the into kind of what you guys are doing, some of the lessons mm-hmm. you learn, and what maybe yeah. the future holds for you? I think a, a colleague who I've been working with for Elsa and the Trust encapsulated it really, really well when she said, uh, if uh, at, at the moment, if you may be not um, uh, an IT teacher or, or tech savvy, you probably feel like an NQT. And I think you're in the situation where normally if you're an NQT coming into a building, you have some senior staff that you can you can speak to and go, well, I'm not really sure about how to teach this lesson. What do you think? Whereas there's probably you know high percentages of staff in schools at the moment who don't have anybody else to turn to because everybody is in the same boat. Um, and you know, I think even even those of us who are um, embedded in the technological world, it's not something we would do every day of the week. You know, the the, the concept of doing a blended a blended learning lesson isn't something I would do Monday to Friday in my normal teaching. Yes, I would engage my pupils in technology. Yes, I would use online resources. Yes, I would have them in Google Classroom or Teams, all of that sort of stuff. And that was how we would teach. We would be paperless, but they'd still be seeing me in the flesh doing doing my delivery. Um, and I think that that's that's probably where, where we're at at the moment is um, is starting out on that kind of, blended learning journey you know a number of a number of colleagues have been experimenting with sort of pre-recorded lessons live lessons etc and it's gone it's gone really well you know the, the, the pupils have been really respect receptive of it staff have been receptive um staff are keen to to want training on it um and want to know how they can do it better and how they can refine their practice and i think probably some of the lessons that we're learning is that if you have a, a 50 minute timetable period you don't need to be live for the whole 50 minutes um you know you you might do 10 minute you you might do something like 10 minutes input at the start give a bit of instruction have a task live in whatever platform that you're using to push out to the pupils they can do the task and then you can come back to them in 15 minutes time just the same as you would do except you'd be circulating kind of if you were live in your classroom and i think there's no reason whatever platform you're using classroom teams etc you can do that circulating whilst you are um, whilst you're in the online world. You know, if you've got an assignment and you've set it up in a presentation software, you've shared one per pupil. While they're doing it, you can go in and look at it and add your comments down the outside. So you, you might not be physically live, but you're live in that kind of responsive element of it. 
we can then dip back into the conversation five, five, 10, 15 minutes later, maybe do a little bit of a retrieval quiz using forms, get the answers. And then that, that might be you done for that period of time. You've done 20 minutes instruction and feedback over two 10, 15 minute blocks or whatever. Um, and then there's other colleagues who are going, going down the pre-recorded route. So they're maybe doing their, um, their, in, their, their instruction um kind of their instruction phase of the lesson as as pre-recorded um screen sharing little video clip of them in the bottom corner um guide pupils through what they want them to do maybe model some practice and i think what we're seeing is we're seeing people trying now experimenting with with different applications um for doing that you know i'm a a big one when i'm in the classroom of, of collecting information and writing on a whiteboard and coming up with mind maps that we've then created as a whole class and post-it notes for feedback, all that kind of malarkey that you can't really do in this environment until you go, well, actually, do you know what? We're going to use a whiteboard app. We're going to use a touchscreen tablet and a stylus. We're going to beam it to the kids. They're going to type in their answers, and I'm going to scribble them up on the board because they don't maybe have access to that at, at home in terms of the stylus stuff. Um, and then I'm going to ping that to them afterwards. So then they've got their thoughts captured. They've got my dialogue. They've got a little video clip of me modeling something. It's as close to a normal lesson as you're going to get. And I think that that's where we are at the moment. We know we've got staff experimenting with it. We've got staff starting to contemplate the, the, the truly live element of it and what does that look like. Um, we've got pupils, certainly in year 12, is where, where, where they're, you know, kind of that live video and audio interaction is taking place. Um, I, think it's, I think it's exciting. Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot there's a lot of schools out there learning those lessons at the minute, and we ju we just got a a question. Uh, I'll put it back up uh, from school schools apps team. It's, it's a funny mm -hmm. name, uh, but uh, will this promote more online learning now for schools? And he's got a follow up there, not to replace face to face, but to extend learning to the home more. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I think in terms of promoting it. I think it's something that's always been there. I think what it's doing is it's um, it's highlighting it to staff as a, a vehicle they can use. I, th I think that's, you know, I think it's, I've always been a great believer that in teaching and learning, you have um, coffee and you have throth. Uh, and you can put all the throth you want on top of your coffee. And that could be um, you know, different pedagogical applications. It could be software. It could be tools. It could be things like, Kagan and cooperative learning, you put all the froth that's on there, but when you take that away, what's the what's the substance of the coffee underneath it? And I think the the online learning conversation, it's about giving staff tools that add to the substance for them to then deploy as is most appropriate. And I think that, you know, it's it, it, to me, you you talk about almost like having a an old an old school touring road case that you can open up and you go into the different sections and go right actually what do i need today well today i need a retrieval form that i can email and or put in me application or whatever and then on a different day of the week you go what do i need to well actually today i need some post-it notes that i can put out around the room and then take a snapshot of and send back so i think that that what we're doing at the moment is bringing staff to the fore of look this technology is out there it's available here's some of the fantastic things you can do with it but ultimately, there is a there is a quote that does the rounds that says um, the most powerful combination is fantastic teachers with great apps. And I think that's the that that's the thing. If you you're not going to give someone a device who and and give them all the, the access to technology and then not support them with the pedagogical understanding of how to deploy it. Yeah, I think uh, I think what I'm really like trying to filter out in my head what I want to say here because because uh, <laughs> I work in a school and people and people might be listening. Uh, so uh, <laughs> the, uh, I think what I think some of the lessons that are being learned out there are um, things like actually good teaching is good teaching, whether it's in a classroom, whether it's online. And actually, uh, online teaching, uh, I, I, I'm finding by some of the examples I'm seeing, uh, is actually um, put on a putting a magnifying glass on teaching a bit more um so for for example a teacher and I, and I think i think i've mentioned this on the podcast before teachers stand in front of a class can have two or three goals of getting their instructions right if they're yeah. doing it off the top of their head a teacher who's writing their instructions into a google classroom assignment 
can't do that. Yeah, uh, and they have to. So they have to. They have to really think about what they want to say. And we've talked on the podcast before about this concept of uh, economy of words, like saying what you want to say in the fewest words possible, so that it, so that the majority of the people can understand it, uh, which is an art in itself. And it's um, yeah, it's actually, really it. <laughs> it's actually a, it's actually a term that comes from the uh, stand up comedy world, the economy of words, where you want to you want to get to the punchline in the fewest words possible. Um, otherwise, you just, otherwise everyone knows a, a crap joke is when someone's someone's gone on too long, and you you can see the punchline coming for miles. Uh, so you got to use an, an economy of words to get there. Um, and I think, but I think it's a really nice phrase to bring into the educational world, and especially when it comes to how a teacher teaches and gives instructions. And and I, I think I think it's in some of the cases I've seen, it's making teachers better at that, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, and, and I also think that it's that, that differentiation of, of, of really thinking about learning and what learning online looks like, <clears throat> that putting your slides presentation or your PowerPoint and a form saying, all right, well, this is what I'm going to deliver. I'm going to create a video and then I'm going to assess it. Would you just do that in a class? Would you think that is effective if that's what if you took all of those resources and said, I'm gonna put a Slack presentation up there or whatever it's gonna be, I'm just gonna I'm not even gonna speak over it or do any of that, and then I'm gonna assess the students at the end. No, you wouldn't, but that's what we're seeing. And that's not not that's not that's what people think it is. And that's the problem, I think, that what is happening at the minute is actually needs developing and understanding that actually that because people are trying their best, there's no criticism because that's the knowledge. But actually online learning and blended learning is so much more than that. It's the contextualized stuff, the economy of words, but also the application that you're not going to just pick a YouTube channel, a YouTube video that's from somewhere else. It's actually maybe getting an Edpuzzle or something else and you walking over the top the top of it, the context of what your students, the demographic of the students and you knowing their, their starting point at that lesson that you can't get from just a standard or here's a, a Hegarty or here's a GCSE pod, that's fine. But they're treating everybody exactly the same there. And I think that's where we're missing. I think that's where it needs to come to life and that's where it needs to go. Um, but that takes a massive skill development in terms of people, digital capabilities, and hopefully we'll allow for that. And I hopefully, I know Bob Harrison says it all the time, that we won't put the genie back, back, back in the bottle, that people won't then go, you know what, well, actually, it's so hard because, and, and I think it was Dan actually that said it the other day in, in, a, in a different conversation, that actually for everybody that's actually struggling some students in terms of the vulnerable and all these students are struggling some students that are absolutely flying and thriving mm. by online mm. learning those students in terms of confidence some for some reasons school environments don't work for all and actually some of the environments that we've created through this pandemic actually do allow them to thrive yeah i think um it looks really shocked doesn't it you went off of it <laughs> I went. I did go off. It probably probably Ben just muted me because he was bored of me talking. But I think we need to focus on what's going well, not what's always what isn't going well. Even during these times, and I think we need to take the positives of those students who are thriving as well. Yeah. And do you know what we're seeing? I mean, you guys are active on on Edu Twitter, uh, definitely more than me. I'm probably there as a, a peerer and an occasional poster. Um, and I think it's. Uh, I think what we're seeing is schools up and down the country. Are, are responding to the challenge that they've that they've been faced with, and I think you know the we've got to have have much credit to um, to kind of to teachers nationally who have gone. Do you know what? This isn't my comfort zone. This isn't something that I'm used to doing. But I've got a cohort of pupils here that that need something. I'm going to do me absolute absolute best with them, and then it's it's kind of people like myself who have responsibility for digital strategy and working with teaching and learning leads in schools to go, well, what can we do to support and help? We don't, we don't want to be telling and, and, and dictating. We want to be saying, look, how can we support and help you in your context to support your teachers to, to kind of, to upskill. Um, and I think that's, that's where the conversation is in, in, in many schools, speaking to lots of colleagues kind of nationally as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. It's um, it's not forcing it sometimes, is it? It's about that working with, um, which which is massively important. I reckon I'm going to go there, guys. I'm going to go there. I feel like I should go here. So you worked at uh, in Bladen, and yep. you know where I'm going, don't you? You worked in in Bladen, and we we became friends. 
Um, and we're still friends, even though this happened. Um, uh, we, 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 we're friends. And uh, you we became friends because you use Google stuff and you worked with us on some stuff. You spoke at a conference. You talked about the stuff that you've been using on Google Classroom. And then you moved to Emmanuel and uh, they use Microsoft primarily as their tools. How's How has that been? Uh, that, that, that's just a. I know that sounds really loud, and it's not supposed to be. No, but I, 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 I am. I am joking. For anybody who's watching now, I am. I am joking. We've got lots of wonder, but obviously, most of us, you know, where we we use Google tools. Mm -hmm. So you, 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 you did that transition. How, yeah. how was that? How was that? How has that been? I think it's. Uh, I think the, the the term to use is it, it's a broad church. You know, I think there's um, there is a place in the market for. A variety of tools um i think you know i was quite open if you if you track back on twitter or you go and listen to podcast one i, I was very much deeply embedded with with not only g suite as a as a set of tools but with with the education arm of google for education and the the guys at apps events you know kind of they were deploying us to do uh to do sle style work through the teaching school that i was i was working in um, and I think it was a little bit of a shock to the system to to transition across to somewhere, um, one that was primarily using Microsoft, and two that didn't have a cloud-based system that was effectively being used. And that that's the school that I'm I'm, I'm deployed in now. Um, and kind of speak about there. And I think it became really apparent very early that the journey that I'd taken St. Thomas More on, we could take elements of that and bring it into, into the new place. Um, but it was going to be around implementing 365 and Teams rather than, than G Suite and, and Classroom. And, and that's not because nobody want, didn't want to do that or, did not, or what have you. It was all of the systems and processes in the trust were already built around 365. And I think, you know, sometimes you, you need to look at look at something really objectively. I think for me that was a real probably the first big learn as a as a new member of a senior team. Um, to kind of step back objectively and go, right, okay, this is what we're working with. Let's let's get involved with it. Let's not hold any airs and graces about it. You know what you know what G Suite does. You you know what it's capable of, you know what you can do with it. Let's go find out what Microsoft 365 and Teams does, and let's see. Let's see if we can make it do the same stuff, uh, and we can do other stuff. Uh, and I think when you when you lift the lid, we were we were implementing so much change um, in in the new school <clears throat> that actually bringing in a, a cloud service and a learning platform where some of it was familiar. To, to a degree was was useful um i think for me there was a bit of a learning curve because you want to do stuff the way it works in classroom and it, it doesn't work like that in teams um and you and then you, you find you find new stuff that you couldn't do in classroom and you go oh actually hang on a minute this is this is pretty nifty i quite like this this is all right um and i think ultimately when you strip it back and you you compare the two <clears throat> you compare the two side by side functionality wise you, you can just about run a like for like comparison to a degree you know you can you, you, you have you have an online you have an online area a very base level you have an online area where you can put files and folders for documents spreadsheets and presentations you can share them you can comment on them and then you have a learning environment where you can have a, a group of pupils in a in a class you can share assignments. You can collect work back in at a very, at a very base level. <clears throat> you know the um, the functionality is more or less the same. And I think the thing I've I've learned is yes, we know we know G Suite's very very good. It, it it is very very good. They went on a bit of a curve. Um, they probably outstripped Microsoft for a short period of time. Um, and you know Microsoft have played a little bit catch up. And, and whether they've caught up or not fully is debatable. Um, but then you, you find stuff and you, you get into teams and 
you find things like OneNote Class Notebook. Cannot do that in G Suite. You can fudge something with Evernote, but you, you cannot do it as well as uh, and you know, they they've got a niche there. And I think it's probably it's probably been the one thing where I've gone, hmm, this is this is better than what you can do in G Suite. Um, you know, Teams has its little little intricacies. I think the the good thing about that's teams, a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the I think the positive about Teams is you don't have to reverse engineer anything if you want to set something up to work as a group of staff. Uh, I kind of always found with Classroom, if you wanted to set a, a classroom up to collaborate with with groups of staff in a in a peer to peer level rather than maybe like a training environment. You had to you had to reverse engineer classroom a little bit with permissions and settings to to make it do that. Um, whereas teams, you can have four separate teams. You know, you can have a you can have a staff team, you can have a class team, you can have a, a PLC, and you can have another. Uh, and you know, there's, there's little bits like that. You think actually, that's, that's nice. I like that. That's all right. I can get on board with that. That makes life easier a little bit in bringing people together. And then with the the kind of the addition of of class notebook that's run through OneNote. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of, even when I was deeply embedded in the G Suite world, I still kind of had OneNote out the side because it's, I think when you get far enough down the, the ed tech route, you maybe hold your hand up and go, look, actually, there's there's some software that does stuff better than the others. And it's going to be the most suitable package to make my life easier. And, um, and, and OneNote in that aspect kind of does that. Um, and I think you, you've sometimes got to be big enough to hold your hands up and go, right, actually, there's stuff that, there's stuff that this bit does really, really well. Yeah. There's stuff that, that this bit does really, really well. Um, and I think it was a, there was a learning curve for me, both as a leader and also as a user. You know, I, other than Excel for analysis, I hadn't used any of the Office packages for probably four years. And that was a that uh, with the exception of one note. And that was a really conscious decision. You know, I kind of when I was leading leading the G Suite, I guess revolution at St Thomas More, we were stepping away from SharePoint. We were we were stepping away in elements for the teaching side of the school from from Office. Uh, and I made a really conscious decision to say, look, if I'm going to be the bloke leading this, at that time I need to solely be using these packages for everything that I do. Um. But I think the, the environment that I'm in now, there are so many other demands on me as a senior leader that you need to you need to go, actually, I need to be using the best package with what I've got in where I'm at to, to kind of do what I want to do. Um, and I think it, now I've kind of got to the position where I'm looking at digital strategy across the trust as a whole. Um, we have an ideal an ideology of where we would like to be in the future but right here right now at the moment we we've got a very much mixed economy you know we've got we've got we've got one school running g suite we've got three schools on teams uh, we've got a school using um, its learning for pedagogy and then teams for kind of a bit of collaboration and then we've got a school using um, edmodo so you know it's a very much broad church across the trust at the moment. Uh, there's a really nice and, comment. And are they the... using? Sorry, no, no. Well, yeah, definitely go to that comment. I was just going to say, in terms of the for the schools, is that students and staff engaging? I know that from some of the multi academy trusts that I'm aware of and stuff like that. That actually they say, oh yeah, well, we use Office three six five or we use Google. But actually, when you come and you have a conversation, actually the students don't use that all. That actually just that's from a teaching mechanism, not from a student learning mechanism point of view. Is is that is that the case? Are you seeing that? Is that is that something that you're, you're keen on and, and making sure that how how what advice would you give to people at at that point? Um, I think it is now. I think if you if it asked us that question ten weeks ago, I might have had a varied answer. Um, I think uh, the, the the school that have used it that are using G Suite have, have had that embedded for a number of years. Um, they built a learning platform around it, similar to what I built at St Thomas More. Um, and then, from a collaboration point of view, they're using they're using Teams to kind of collaborate from a staff point of view. Um, the school that I'm in is pretty much existing in the in the world of three six five. Um, we've got a we've got a whole staff team 
and then every single child is is in a class team and uh, and we're kind of using it that way um same for the the other school that came on board just before lockdown and and then the the kind of the others is a is a little bit varied just depending upon where they are on the journey um you know students being at home is is meaning that primarily having to use the cloud because it's it's safe secure and accessible um but i'm not really getting into too much of a route at the moment is to find out like what applications are actually doing their work on. I think we're, we're interested about pupils who are effectively engaging with the material that they're, <clears throat> they're being sent and that they're actually kind of returning stuff for us to have a look at and support them with their learning. Yeah. The, the comment that, that I mentioned was actually what you're talking about so is that idea about within a, a mat network is that the right tool for the right job and what's working for them um and i suppose the question there is around um does it work if you have both in a school um is it is do, does it work if you've got different ecosystems um i know that you're right when you said that there's the um there's a lot of similarity and i know that we we are winding you up and having a little bit of a laugh and a joke and i, and I think we we all agree um there are some things that just don't exist in one or the other um and we we probably all wish that they would just go hold on a minute i know i i often say about goo they haven't they haven't got that functionality of something like there's no such thing as a swear or a yeah. class notebook they don't exist in google um and that might be intentional but it's and it's saying the other way around I don't, I don't think there really is and maybe it's just been controversial i don't think i don't think teams is anywhere near classroom as a classroom management element and so i think i think most people would say that my, there's no classroom element but i think the conversation there is about whether whether it whether it can work can you have can you have things working both um and 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 and, and what you how, how are you making that happen because there must be some people that are managing to do both yeah i think um i'm noticing the question there from from school apps team about what your thoughts on on using both within a within a map network I think it really depends how your how your mat is set up. You know, I'm a year into a what I hope is a might not be after tonight. What I hope is a, a long career in a <laughs> in a uh, I don't think I've said controversial. What what I hope is a is a long is a long a long and, and really exciting career where I am and. Um, and I think the way the the trust operates, it works really, really well. You know, there's a a degree of steer, um, and then there's a lot of autonomy given to individual schools. Um, and I think that yeah, there's a I'm aware of of colleagues who work in other mats that, that maybe that's not the same. Um, and I think it just it will depend what kind of environment you're in as to whether a mixed ecosystem would work or not. Um, I think in a single school it, it doesn't make a lot of sense um to some degree i think it depends where right here right now it depends where you are on your journey i think probably the, the best thing to say um given i think you've got, to give the, you've got to i think the important people here the, the important thing here is the people isn't it it's not the tool it's the people and if you know what i'm i'm just thinking it's one of those things in my head again where i'm thinking do i share it or not but I, um uh some people work best with some tools. Mm -hmm. Some Absolutely. people, if, if your data manager uh, trained using Excel and gets the most out of Excel and actually makes the, it makes them do their job to a really high standard, let them use Excel. Uh, I think a prime example was St. Thomas More, where I came from. You know, we, we, we were uh, a Google reference school. We were we were really flying the flag for for G Suite in the, in the northeast, north of England. However, we still did all of our data analysis on Excel. Yeah, we did all of our kind of letter writing that went home to parents on Word. We did all of our reporting on Word because that's what the MIS pulled it out of. We did our publications in varying different software that wasn't G Suite related. And, and I think it comes back to that using the right tool for the right job. And, yeah. and, yeah. It, and it's acknowledging that we're, schools are on a journey, aren't they? There's no, mm. there's there's very few there's very few schools who've got it got a lot of this stuff figured out in terms of a full school approach and I, a lot of this is very new to people um and 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 they're, they're moving they're moving along that journey and i think that um yeah they it's who knows who knows what 
is it is the solution that everyone's on the same system at the end of end of that journey or not? And uh, and maybe it maybe it, it's not. Uh, maybe it's it yeah. is just what works best. And I think that the learning has to come first, obviously. Uh, but then you do want the most out of out of everyone else. It'll be good to. I'm just conscious of time. Um, it'll be good because I know you've you've did you have you just completed your MA? Was it last year? Uh, yeah, so I got uh, I got awarded me MA just before Christmas. Right, congratulations, MA. Uh, yeah, MA in uh, leadership and management. Nice, uh, and I know you, you the the title of that, uh, which we, which I wrote down before, uh, does distributed leadership affect positive change in pedagogy? What yeah. does that mean? <laughs> so it, it was a way of for me, it was coming up with a title that enabled me to write about something that. Um, that I was really passionate about as a leader, and and I started, I, I started it three years ago when I was still at St Thomas More, and the um, the research project primarily took place at, at St Thomas More, um, and the uh, and the writing, oh well, sorry, took place whilst I was at St Thomas More rather than in the building. Before anyone gets concerned about sharing of data or that sort of stuff, so whilst I was employed there, opposed to actually in the physical environment. Um, and I think the 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 way I wanted to get to was looking at how people like digital leaders and staff digital champions can come together under the under the vision of a leader and then go out and lead within their own areas um, on that rather than a single entity kind of doing all of the leading for all of the different aspects of a school in terms of digital strategy and 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 changing pedagogy in the classroom so it was a it was really written about how a group of staff digital champions could come together and then be empowered through the the model of distributed leadership to then go back to their own departments and and effect change of pedagogy and change of practice um and it was kind of a it was looking at the the leadership element of that rather than maybe the um the technical element of it okay that's cool it's cool and i i know dan's uh dan's a proud owner of an ma he never tells anybody that he has this MA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no I, to be, I, I, I am jealous that is exactly true i am jealous uh, i'm lucky to be one uh very soon as well um, Thank you. And I, it, it was it was really it was really worthwhile, but the the third the third year in particular, with uh, with my wife being heavily pregnant for the vast majority of it, and then doing the doing the writing of it, kind of as the twins appeared, was was tough. Yeah, I, I imagine. It, but it's it's credit, and I suppose that rounding it in research. I, here's a little plug. Listen to this. Uh, on our obviously on our Edgy Futurist Awards that are coming up on the 10th of July uh, that we mentioned, one of the awards is for excellence in research because we've we've acknowledged as um as a um as an Edgy Futurist with that. We we've got to make sure that this is grounded in in proper research and that it's this isn't just uh here's, oh here's a fad here's a tool this is great uh, try this and well no what's the basis behind it why do we do this and and I think that probably comes out of the uh, the stuff that that Steve talks about quite a lot the Simon Sinek stuff about the, the start finding your why and starting with what what is the point of doing this and then that comes from good research doesn't it so we're uh, we're really passionate about making sure that, that that's done and so if you haven't voted already here's a, another little nod to that awards.edgefuturist.com forward slash vote uh, you'll be able to if this is before the awards are by the way if you listen to this before the votes on the 10th of july uh then then talk about that but i think if you um if you had to talk about if you had to talk about research and, and the stuff that you've done and why um why, why you think it's important and why you did your ma because it'd, it'd be interesting i know you talked about your passion for pedagogy and stuff like that what was it was it was it because of that yeah i think it was um I wanted to do I think I wanted to do something that was that was for me you know I I went to a <clears throat> I went to a university that wasn't I wouldn't describe it as non-academic or all university is academic but I did a, a very much a, a qualification that was very practical um and uh you know for, for those of you who've not heard this before or follow us on Twitter or whatever I have a, a degree in uh, theatre lighting design and uh, <laughs> and then Whoa, 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 whoa! Let's stop there. <laughs> come on, come on. What's the story? 
So, uh, so I'd been more 14, 15, maybe a little bit younger. And the uh, the chap who coached my rugby team at school needed some big lads to come and shift boxes on the school show and push a car on set for fame and what have you. And then uh, me, me dad had been involved as a as a performer in uh, in kind of hand drum or whatever. Uh, so I've kind of been been around that environment a little bit, and up and up until that point, uh, all I'd wanted to be was a PE teacher, one hundred percent. Up and up until I was probably sixteen, seventeen, all I wanted to be was a PE teacher, and then I, I got involved in school shows and what have you. And, uh, and and my dad said to us, "Well, why don't you go and do something else first? So off I, off I went. Uh, I went to a, a very nice place called Bretton Hall, which is in Wakefield, uh, which is a college of University of Leeds. And uh, and spent three years studying performance design and production technical management, um, lit numerous musicals, and then had a, a brief stint uh, in the in the industry. Did a bit of uh, a very small bit of freelancing, and then uh, and then worked for a company called PRG Europe, who uh, who look after the top end of concert touring. Um, kind of yeah, if you're a band and you're on tour and you are proper headliners. They're, they're doing the lighting and the, the technical and the rigging. So I worked in their, their projects office for a number of years and specialized in com- computer-controlled lighting systems. And then uh, I kind of got to a point where uh, some changes were made and, and what have you, takeovers, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. And, and it was the other opportunity at the time to, time to change. And teaching had always been there at the back of my mind as, as something that I'd wanted to do. Um, quickly became apparent that uh, that PE was no longer an option as I didn't have a, a sports degree, um, and uh, and Warwick University at the time were advertising for uh, ITTs for IT. Um, so I thought, well, do you know what? I've, I've got some really good relevant industry experience. I've spent a long time looking at network lighting systems, computer controlled lighting systems, AutoCAD, uh, graphic design for lighting systems. Let, let's give that a crack. Maybe I'll maybe I'll be half decent at it. Seems to turn out all right. Yeah, that's class, man. I love I love that when people have got like varied backgrounds and come into teaching. Uh, it brings so much so many skills into there. Wow. I, I don't know anybody else on this podcast who's had a varied skill set before <laughs> they came into teaching. No, uh, I, no. hand on heart, if I'd gone straight from school to uni to be teaching. I would have been. I would have been a rubbish teacher. I'd be out of the profession by now. I didn't. I didn't have the work ethic. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the right attitude. I didn't have the the right um, kind of level of responsibility. I guess. Mm-hmm. And and I think you know a bit of time in an industry that at times can be really really tough and really fast paced. And you've got to be got to be pretty resourceful uh, when someone rings you up in Russia and goes, "I need these ten lights tomorrow," and you're like, "Well, it takes seventy two hours to get anything into Russia." Right. Okay, then. Um, I think some of that that resilience and project management and, and exposure to worldwide kind of organizations and problem solving um, has made me a far, far better teacher and a far, far better leader. Yeah. And I think that's what that's what that's what leadership and education needs, doesn't it? It doesn't need people who. Well, I'm not going to say it doesn't need people because there are, there are a lot of good people who kind of started off at the uh, the straight from university and education, but I think it also need, it needs that diversity of thought, doesn't it? That, that diversity, broad and, broad and varied experiences. You know, I think when <clears throat> when someone asks you to um, to project manage a particular a particular project, I'm more than confident of going. Well, actually, you know what? I've I've had that skill set before. I know I know I know what it is. I know what I need to be thinking. I know I can go back to that that time. And I think as well, I, I kind of growing growing up as a teacher, I had a in that in that industry, and I, and I didn't see it at the time at all, and I probably didn't respect him as much as I should have done. I had a I, I had a, a a line manager who was all about the minute detail, and it was you know things like get these these hooks that attach lights onto lighting bars or whatever, and it was about getting the right hook for the right tour at the right time, and and he was he was minute detail. And I think whenever you were presenting something to him, I didn't respect him enough at the time to give him the information as accurately as I probably should have done. And, and I think that's something that I brought into teaching very much so, where the, the question would always be in my head whenever I was doing a, a presentation or, or kind of putting a project together or a paper, what would what would this guy have wanted? And, you know, it, it taught me a lot of things about about myself that I've been able to bring into teaching. And also it gives you some cracking stories to share 
when the, the kids ask, have you always been a teacher? Yeah, yeah. That's quality, man. Uh, Andrew, I, I think we'll wrap up there. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's been great to have you back on. Before before we finish, Dan, can I just put this this little comment up that's come from School's Apps team has been invo- actively involved, and I think we have to mention that that is absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think this side of my screen is 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 way more impressive in in the beard game. Um, mine feels a bit scraggly. Dan, I think you could have a really cool ginger beard, but you just mine, like because I think because it's ginger, because it's fair. Mine never looks as like full. <laughs> really, really gets to me. Like I'm, I'm yeah, that's what all the guys who can't grow beards say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dan wants to swear at you then, I can tell. Right. good luck with everything, mate. And um I hope it goes well with, with the new role. I'm sure I'm sure you'll smash it out of the park. And thanks for sharing your thoughts. Really appreciate it. Not a time, fellas. Been an absolute pleasure as always. Great to see you. Don't forget, before we put the jingle on, uh, if you haven't signed up for our uh, event, please do, awards.edgyfuturist.com. Uh, get your votes in as well. Um, and uh, also, if you haven't, if you listen to this before the 24th of June, sign up for the new next or never normal uh, event with clearninggnormal.edgyfuturist.com.